Hey, it's Jennifer Jones-Lee. You're listening to KFI AM 640 Wake Up Call on demand on the iHeartRadio app. You are halfway to the weekend already. Here's Jennifer Jones-Lee with your Wednesday morning wake up call. Did you notice? A little chillier when you got in the car this morning. Although it's not necessarily indicative of the storm that we have on the way because we have an atmospheric river that's headed our way. So it's supposed to probably start hitting Northern California and Central California today. And they are really concerned about snow in the mountains. I was just reading this story just two seconds ago. I'll read it to you. Uh, Forecasters are talking about this atmospheric river and the way that it's going to hit Northern California. Apparently, we've got some ski resorts that are literally overflowing with snow in the sense that, maybe not literally, but they all got 600 inches so far this season. China Peak near Fresno, Boreal near Lake Tahoe, Sugar Bowl near Truckee, and Dodge Ridge in Pinecrest. And they say the two other ski resorts, would that be Heavenly and uh, I can't think of what the other ski resort is in the Tahoe area, could join the list this week after this fancy atmospheric river rolls through. As for us, we can expect the bulk of this storm to start Thursday night into Friday I've seen a few reports now. I kind of went and did sort of a round robin. And uh, some people are saying we could see snow as low as 9,000 feet. That would still be above the Big Bear elevation. So if you're concerned about that or more snow coming in, that might not necessarily be an issue. But because we do have all this snow, and even in Northern California, now the concern is mudslides because all this rain from the atmospheric river could melt that snow very quickly. And that equals mudslides. Some of the news stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. In addition to the weather, a judge in L.A. has convicted a mom and her boyfriend of murdering and torturing her son, Anthony Avalos. The LAPD is trying to find a man who fatally stabbed a 17-year-old Nell Serino. Then about a half mile down the road, he stabbed another guy. And then we have to lighten things up. Timmy the Sheep. Woo! is making the news and may represent us nationwide. I'll explain. Let's start with some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. The mom and former boyfriend accused of killing 10-year-old Anthony Avalos in Lancaster have been convicted of first-degree murder and torture. Anthony's Aunt Maria Barron says nothing will take away the pain of losing him. I watched him take his first steps, help him... How to write his name, how to read. Anthony lived with his Aunt Maria and Uncle David briefly, who say Anthony should have been saved and could have been saved, but DCFS failed him. And we'll never get the justice that he actually deserves because of Gascoigne. The judge said yesterday Anthony's mom waited until he died before calling 911. The couple faces life in prison without parole for killing the 10-year-old in 2018. Chris Adler, KFI News. We've got a picture of this next person up on my page, kfiam640.com slash wake up call. The LAPD is trying to find this man who's on the page who fatally stabbed a 17-year-old Nel Serino, then stabbed another man about a half mile away. Now, the man was also on Valley Boulevard Friday when he stabbed several other times, apparently without warning. Now, the man police are looking for is Hispanic. He's got really long, wavy black hair and a beard, kind of one of those beards that sort of stick straight out. 
it's so it's so long. It's kind of, you know, almost moldable, I guess you could say. He was wearing a long black jacket, black T-shirt underneath, black pants, black shoes and a black baseball hat. But the only real thing that I see in this is that baseball hat has some sort of white lettering on it. Although I can't tell from the, the pictures that we have what it says. Detectives say the guy was last seen driving a black 1996 to 2001 Honda CRV. Officials in San Bernardino County say road clearing efforts in mountain communities have passed the 90% mark with many mountain roads now 100% passable. Major highways leading up to places like Crestline, Arrowhead, Big Bear, all were reopened yesterday. Sites have also reopened for food distribution and trash collection. Rides are being offered to people in Lake Arrowhead who need to get to medical appointments in San Bernardino. Speaking of San Bernardino, in the county, a five-month operation has taken hundreds of pounds of drugs and hundreds of illegal guns off the streets. 451 felony arrests, that equates to about 90 a month. San Bernardino County Sheriff's Gangs Narcotics Division Sergeant Robert Arrieta says Operation Consequences has been doing daily and weekly sweeps since October. We've seized 313 handguns, 84 of those have been ghost guns, 149 rifles, and out of those there's been uh, 31 ghost rifles. And more than 540 pounds of cocaine, meth, heroin, and fentanyl. No. Street value in total is over two and a half million dollars. Plus, he says 26 human traffickers were arrested and 19 people were rescued. Corbin Carson, KFI News. Catherine Falders, good morning to you. I'm looking at this and it does not appear that Capitol Police Chief at all liked Fox News Tucker Carlson's comments about the January 6th video. Can you walk us back and tell us what it was that Tucker Carlson said he had access to uh, thousands of hours or, or at least a, a lot more tape, I guess, than anybody else had. And he was given that tape by Kevin McCarthy, which that in of itself drew a big bunch of criticism. But what did Tucker say yesterday that made this Capitol Police chief so angry? Yeah, that's right. So uh, taking us a step back uh, a little bit, uh, they've been talking about they being the Republican. I've been talking about this arrangement um, for a couple weeks now. So really teasing this as new video that they've been able to have access to. They said they were going to work with Capitol Police uh, on what clips could be aired. Um, but so he aired this so-called new video Monday on his program. Uh, and, and it wasn't very much of this 40,000 hours of video or, or much new. It just showed clips of the calmer moments from the day of January 6th. No time stamps, no indication of when these moments, uh, and nothing about actually uh, the violence and, and, and what happened that day. Now, the of the Capitol Police is so angry about this and, and sent this internal memo to all of his officers because he says uh, that this inaccurately portrays what happened. He, he said that the program never uh, reached out uh, to him or to the force for appropriate context around the video. And he essentially called this outrageous and that it was cherry picked. Uh, it contained multiple omissions. So he was writing to his his officers who were there that day uh, to you know, obviously thank them uh, for, for fighting on the front lines. And then he said, uh, essentially, that, that the truth is on their side and that justice will ultimately prevail here. So uh, uh, quite a lot of back and forth on Capitol Hill. We, we talked to Speaker McCarthy last and he stood by his arrangement uh, with Fox and said he had no regrets. Now, you guys at ABC News have repeatedly, I understand, asked uh, Speaker McCarthy for this same video that was given to Tucker Carlson. Why have they not given it to you? 
Right. So there's, there's a lot of talk about how the media hasn't requested this video. And, and of course, once we learned about the, the Tucker Carlson arrangement uh, and that McCarthy was just giving this unfettered access, then then we requested that same access. Uh, now, those uh, on Fox and Tucker said on his program last night that it was only after he requested it. I think it's worth reminding uh, that media organizations have also been fighting uh, or, you know, since the beginning here to have access to some exhibits that have remained under seal. So uh, we're all about having access to the video and the transparency. Uh, in terms of McCarthy and that arrangement and why he hasn't given it to other news he said that he will. Uh, that will happen, uh, you know, and, and with time. Um, but but it's not that easy because it's not as though it could just be emailed to you in a file. Sure. Uh, this is video highly sensitive that you have to watch uh, in a terminal, if you will. You can't record or take it with you. Uh, it's unclear how that arrangement will ever come to fruition, uh, if it even does. All right, Catherine, thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you. See you later. That is ABC's Catherine Falders. And um, I mean, I, I think it's worth pointing out. It doesn't matter what news organization you are. You're going to be upset if you ask for access to the video that you didn't get it and that Tucker Carlson did. And so, of course, everybody's going to be mad. Well, hey, how come we didn't get it? How come we didn't get to give you our perspective on it? So that's always going to be an issue. So, you know, I not this isn't against Catherine. It's a, a just as a whole media in general is like, hey, wait a minute. Why Tucker Carlson get it? And why does he get to put his spin on it before everybody else does? Because I have a feeling Tucker Carlson's view of it would be very different than if you had, I don't know, a CNN host, uh, Don Lemon's view of whatever it was. And, you know, I kind of thought about this last night. You can't help but wonder if watching this video, everybody's going to have their own truth out of it. Now, if it was cherry picked, as the Capitol Police Chief says, and inaccurately represented, then yeah, all day long, that's a problem. However, what if I saw the video and reported it one way? And then Catherine saw the video and reported it one way. And then Tyler saw it and Michelle saw it. And Tucker saw it. Is it going to be one of those situations just like if you had five eyewitnesses at a scene that everybody sees something different? I don't know. I've been sat through 40,000 hours of video. So anyway, I just think that, uh, yeah, no matter what, there's going to be criticism. But if that is true, that Tucker Carlson did that, then that's wrong. And he would deserve that criticism. But we don't know. We don't know. We just have everybody's opinion of what went down that day. Border agents in Marietta say they seized 126 pounds of narcotics during a traffic stop. Agents say they found the drugs stuffed into an SUV in all sorts of places. This one happened to be inside the door panels, all the voids in that door. They had uh, utilized the spare tire. They had opened up the gas tank and were able to conceal the packages inside the gas tank as well. Border Patrol's Dan Anderson says last Friday agents were suspicious of the SUV and also called for a drug-sniffing canine. In total, the packages of meth and cocaine have a street value of $480,000. Steve Gregory, KFI News. L.A. County Probation Department Chief Aldolfo Gonzalez has been fired because of the conditions at the county's juvenile halls. 
Board of Supervisors Chair Janice Hahn says avoiding leadership starting from the top has allowed the situation to fester. She cited cases of kids being hurt and not attending school and staff being attacked with many not showing up to work. Gonzalez has resisted calls to resign. Police in Burbank have arrested a man accused of sexually assaulting three girls at a high school at Burbank High School. Now, police say Patrick Nazarian got into the campus somehow Monday. Guess that there was a door unlocked in a student parking lot. Then a 14-year-old girl told police she was assaulted in a restroom. Two other girls say they were inappropriately touched. Nazarian was caught by school employees and held until the cops showed up. Officials in San Bernardino County say road clearing efforts in the mountain communities have passed the 90% mark with many mountain areas now 100% passable. Major highways leading to areas like Crestline, Arrowhead, Big Bear, all were reopened yesterday. And sites have also been offered for food distribution and trash collection. Coming up at 535, we're going to talk with CNBC's Jane Wells. I definitely want to go over with her what's going on with Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell and what he said to the House yesterday, what he expected to, uh, or with the Senate yesterday. Today, he'll talk to the House. So we'll get into that in a second. Rich DeMero, KFI's tech reporter. You can hear Rich Saturdays from 11 to 2. Watch him on KTLA and follow him on social media at Rich on Tech. Rich, you are everywhere. Good morning. Good morning to you, Jennifer. All right. So I was kind of cracking up last night. I was sitting outside doing my prep for the show this morning when your uh, email came in where you had some suggested topics. And there was one in particular. I want to start at the bottom and then go back up because I was incensed years ago when Facebook made the messaging portion of it different. So you had to get a different app to get the messages on Facebook. I don't know why that drove me so nuts, but I needed it to come back and now it is, but not necessarily because I just bitched and moaned and they listened to me. No, and I agree. And this was, I had to actually look up the date because it felt like it was very recent, but this was back in 2014 when they separated Facebook Messenger from Facebook. Why did they do that? Well, this was a time when Facebook was on top of the world. And they figured, hmm, let's separate this out because now we've got double the downloads. We've got the Facebook app and we've got Messenger. And now we can figure out how to make this work separately and get, you know, people that may not want to be on Facebook, on Messenger and vice versa. Anyway, it was a mess. And honestly, ever since then, I've never really used Facebook Messenger because I was so angry. And now, all these years later, they say, you know what? Actually, we might blend Messenger back into the main Facebook app. The reason... Jennifer is two words or one, depending on if you separate them or not. TikTok. Yes. That's the reason. Yes. And so this is the way to compete because when it comes to I don't I don't really please explain more to me about TikTok other than just watching reels and things like that. Uh, that's I'm a very casual user of I, yeah. I guess of it. So what and, is it about the messaging that right, is that's- what's different? That's what this is all about, because think about it. You just nailed it. You said that you know TikTok for watching videos. Right. And that's basically all people know TikTok for. Facebook is a social media sharing platform. So their idea is, hmm, if we can get people watching stuff on Facebook and then sharing it to their friends on Facebook that are already there, this is a much bigger play than TikTok. And so TikTok, of course, they have this amazing, uh, you know, video sharing or video kind of watching 
feature, but that's it. That's where it ends. They need to build an entire business around that. Facebook already has your friends. They've already got reels, and they now have messaging. So bring that all together, and you may see some more stickiness with Facebook that you haven't had in the last couple of years. Although, by the way, Facebook says they're very healthy. They have 2 billion users, and uh, the, the rumors of their demise are greatly exaggerated. They said that yesterday in well, a blog post. Wasn't that also the same day that they announced that there were more layoffs? going to be at meta overall yeah you know but here's the thing we're seeing so many layoffs with every pretty much every tech company at this point and so look they are they're they're just leaning things out and that's the way it is the economy has definitely taken a toll on these tech companies and the you know if you had 100 people in your department before they said "Eh, can you do it with 50 and that's what's happening all right now speaking of tech companies let's talk about apple and uh i haven't i mean i know apple's had its share of layoffs as well But it still seems to be uh, putting out some headlines, I guess, that are factual in the sense of you can go, you know, you may not be able to fact check what Facebook said yesterday about the health of the company. But you can fact check what Apple is saying about being uh, just I mean, I don't even know the majority leader, I guess you could say, in smartphones. Oh, I mean, to say it lightly, I mean, this is new new information from CounterPoint Research. In 2022, Apple became the first brand to have eight out of the top 10 best-selling smartphones in the world. How wild is that? Yeah. So um, it's also kind of sad. So basically, let me go over the list real quick. Uh, iPhone 13, best-selling smartphone of 2022, 28% of iPhone sales, best-selling smartphone in China, the U.S., the U.K., Germany, and France. Um, Then you've got this top 10 list, okay? The only two Samsung phones in this list are the Galaxy A13 and the Galaxy A03. Jennifer, those are two super, super budget phones. So when you look at the rest of this list, it is filled with iPhones. iPhone 13, 13 Pro Max, 14 Pro Max. Uh, I mean, just going down the list. Because that's that's what I have. So I'm one of those, I guess, who contributed to the numbers. That's what I have is the 13. But you look at this, and if you think, you know, if you're, if you're, I don't know, maybe thinking about getting your kid a phone or something like that, if you still want to make it into the top 10 for less than 250 bucks is when you can get something like the Galaxy you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much to choose from at, at Apple under 250 unless you right. have some sort of, you know, carrier deal. Uh, one other note from this, Jennifer, is that last year's phone, the iPhone 14, mm-hmm. uh, the Pro Max version, it's the first time that the Pro version outsold the regular version, the iPhone 14. So I guess what that tells me is that Apple did enough upgrades on that 14 Pro to make it appealing enough for people to say, you know what, I'm going to go with the top of the line model this year versus just the basic iPhone 14 model. So kind of interesting. I mean, Apple, and also, by the way, they released a yellow iPhone yesterday. Oh, that's, I also want to talk to you about that. I, okay, I love the idea of being color coordinated. I love, you know, like cheesy little stuff like that where I can get, oh, look it, I have a yellow iPhone for the season. But at a thousand bucks, I don't care what my color iPhone is. And let's be honest, you're going to put a case on it immediately. So get any color iPhone, put the yellow case, and you're good to go. Exactly. That's what I was like. They were asking me last time I bought a phone, like, oh, what color do you want? And I said, I "I don't care. I'm getting one. It doesn't matter. You don't see it after day one. Right. I I got an otter box, and it's this kind of ugly blue, but at least I know that if I throw it, which I do, then it's going to be fine. Hey, real quickly, before I let you go, what's going on with Google and the IO 2023? 
Yeah, so all you need to know is they announced the date, Wednesday, May 10th. And the reason I tell you that is because this is their big kind of conference for developers. So all the people that create software around Google and Android all come together. Uh, I've got an invite. It's always one of my favorite things. But this year in particular, Jennifer, they're probably or 100% going to show off what they're doing with AI. So this is a, this is one to watch, Wednesday, May 10th. You know what's funny is, because my brother works for Google, I bet he's there. I got to hook you two up this year. I oh, need a Rich DeMuro meets I mean, Travis Jones picture. It's all hands on deck. We'll we'll meet up. We'll, Our, make, we'll make the picture in front of that little green Android uh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Travis is in charge of, like, if you go into a Best Buy or a, or a Home Depot, he's the guy that comes up with, like, the marketing design. You know, he's that guy. So oh, smart. So you okay. can you can go up to him and be like, I think your Home Depot thing sucks, Travis. Here we go. So you can sit like, down that and didn't sell That didn't sell phones with the foot traffic <laughs> that walked in at that store. Exactly. Way you to go, Travis. That. You suck. Right. So anyway, it, I would love to hook the two of you up. I never thought about that before, but that'd be hilarious. Rich, thank you as always. And it's 11 to 2 right here on Saturdays. Sounds good, Jennifer. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. You too. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. happening in just a second. It's KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. This is your wake up call. I'm Jennifer Jones Lee. A six story office building in South LA has caught fire. Man, the flames coming out of this thing this morning were they, impressive to say the least. This is on Grand Avenue right near downtown. The fire was reported about four this morning. So hour and a half ago-ish. The building's owned by the county. The houses administ- It houses administrative offices for several agencies. Dole Whip, Jane Wells, will soon be sold in stores. The frozen pineapple treat that you used to only be able to get yes. at Disney parks. Oh, Tyler's in so on this good. one. Dole says it's going to bring <laughs> three Dole Whip flavors to the grocery stores so you can get the regular old pineapple, the mango, and the strawberry. I had the pineapple mango mix when I was there like a month so ago. Good. Holy cannoli. Oh my gosh. The company is presenting its new products during Expo Week in Anaheim this week. Jane, good morning. CNBC's Jane Wells. Follow her on social media at Jane Wells. How are you this morning? I'm great. I am in Orange County at my daughter's place. And I, I thought I was going to have to go out in the car and do this. But right. I decided... I'm not going to. I'm going. So I she may be waking up to the sound of me talking to you, Jennifer, <laughs> because I always speak so loudly when I do this. Well, as do I. Tell her I said good morning and thanks for, uh, you know, giving us you for a few minutes and then you can go back to her and make her coffee and apologize for us. OK. Yeah, oh. <laughs> All right, Jane, can we start with what is going on with Fed Reserve uh, Chairman Jerome Powell He's before Congress, and apparently the stock market didn't like what he had to say yesterday when he oh went before gosh. the Senate. Yeah, it tanked because he basically said the economy is still too hot, meaning inflation is still going to be too high. And the only thing the Fed can do to bring down inflation, to try to, is to raise rates. So people thought, you know, the Fed's starting to slow down on how much it's raising rates and maybe it's going to pause later this year. He basically told Congress if things stay the way they are, They're going to raise rates higher and faster, and that's the only way to slow things down that they can do. That's the the, in their toolkit. 
And so the markets, I mean, the Dow, just everything just tanked yesterday, like, oh, we're going to have this for a while. Because the stock market doesn't like higher interest rates because it means it costs more to borrow money, so companies spend less. Okay, but in, in the juggling of we are trying to slow down the market, so we have to raise inflation, doesn't, wouldn't the market like, okay, hey, look, we're about to become balanced? Well, the problem is the current rate of inflation is over 6%, and everything the Fed has done has brought it down a little bit, but not very much. The Fed target is 2%, which some say may be too low now, but that's what it is. And many are starting to think that the only way the Fed can bring rates, uh, inflation down is to raise rates so high, so fast, that we'll go into a recession. And nobody wants that, right. except for maybe the Fed. The Fed may be willing to risk an a, a, a recession in order to bring down inflation. That there's two things the Fed has to pay attention to: inflation and unemployment. Okay. And unemployment, while going up, is not a problem. And if you listen to Jay Powell speak, an economist told us last week, he's never really talking about unemployment. He's talking about inflation, and it seems he's willing to risk higher unemployment and a recession in order to bring down the rate of inflation. All right, let's talk about something that did go up yesterday when it comes to stocks. Weight Watchers. Holy cannoli. This company is on fire right now. You're, you're kind of focused on the cannoli, which would not be something to, <laughs> to talk about when you're at Weight Watchers. It is so uh, Weight true. Watchers, I, I, Weight Watchers has not done well over the last year. The stock was down by more than half. But yesterday it announced that it's buying a company which gets into the business of prescribing medicines to fight obesity. And the stock gained a lot of weight yesterday. The stock was up nearly 80% in one day. Now, it's it's down almost 12% in pre-market, meaning some people may take profits today because it went up so much. But obesity medications are so popular. You know, you know I'm sure you've reported on the drug. I think it's called Ozempic. O- Ozempic, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's supposed to treat diabetes, but it's being used off-label for obesity. And it's, it's a hit. People who need it for diabetes are having trouble getting it. So Weight Watchers pivoted away uh, earlier from weight loss, tried to be more of a health and wellness company. Oprah has a stake in it. Didn't do well. So this new CEO is pivoting back to weight loss with this company called Sequence, and it connects patients with doctors who prescribe weight loss drugs. And, well, Wall Street liked it. I have to ask you, did you ever go to – my mom used to go to Weight Watchers. Did you ever go to Weight Watchers? I never did that. I mean, I would see the commercials on TV, and, you know, I was like, oh, that looks great. But it never never motivated me enough to go and do it. But um, I know a lot of people who did. I I mean, I have family friends who did it. And, I mean, it changed their life to this day. They still kind of abide by whatever rules they were given. Yeah, it's sort of old school. I mean, I know they're going to hate me saying that. It's kind of also like Jenny Craig. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sort of a different thing. Uh, So, you know, they're saying, all right, what's hot? Drugs. So let's get into a company that that will allow people to access doctors. And, And, well, we'll see. We'll see. Wall Street loved it yesterday. When you were talking about Jenny Craig, it makes me think, have you ever noticed that I swear if you ever see a Jenny Craig, like, I don't know, shop or store, I don't know what you would call it. It's always yeah. like next to a Little Caesars or a Domino's or something. I was like, this is not fair. If I was in some sort of struggle, like, all right, I'm going to go to Jenny Craig to change my ways and I've got to yeah. walk out to, you know, the smell of yeah. pepperoni and cheese. Come on now. That's yeah. not even right. 
No, no. You need to be next to like a smoothie store or something yes, like that. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about all things Elon Musk. And oh I my like gosh. I like that Elon thinks that he is going to be the guy who can fix the problem, even though the problem he needs to fix is one he caused. Well, Okay, where to start? Um, by the way, we're going to talk about Twitter. But first, there's a AP's reporting that National Highway Safety Investigators are looking into two cases where people uh, owning Teslas, the steering wells fell off. So that's oh. what's happening. The latest with Tesla this morning. Okay. Anyhow, okay, Twitter. Uh, Elon seems to think that he could make Twitter cash flow positive next quarter uh, because he's now going back to thinking like advertising is good. He wanted to get away from advertising and have subscriptions. Nobody's buying subscriptions, so hey, advertising's good. That's the good news. The bad news, um, God, all right. Uh, the platform has suffered some major out outages and gotten glitchy because yeah. there's been a lot of layoffs. The FTC wants all his internal communications because it thinks maybe the massive layoffs have left it unable to protect users' privacy. Um, although I will say about the FTC, which is part of the Biden administration, also reportedly wants Twitter to cough up all the names of journalists who've had access to internal documents, which I find very interesting because some of those journalists have exposed what appear to be an extreme pro-Biden bias at oh. Twitter for Musk. And so, gee, the FTC now wants uh, all the names of the journalists. That doesn't sound like very American. Yeah. but. Finally, the real thing that Elon stuck his foot in it yesterday oh, about is one of the many Twitter employees laid off is an Icelandic guy named Haraldur Thorlifsson. He created a branding company, was bought by Twitter a few years ago, came on as a senior director. He also happens to be in a wheelchair and deals with MS, but, you know, he's pretty well known for being kind of all over it in Iceland. Another round of layoffs was happening. He couldn't get into his company computer. Nobody would talk to him. He finally went on Twitter and asked Elon, am I still working here? Oh, God. Well, Elon went after him. What do you do? And after <sighs> uh, he said, well, I can't tell you what I do on Twitter without breaking confidentiality. Elon said, you, you know, permission granted. Well, he explained all he did. Elon was like, what are you talking about? How did you help? And finally he said to someone else, the reality is this guy, this is a quote on Twitter, who was independently wealthy, did no actual work, claimed as his excuse that he had a disability that prevented him from typing, yet was simultaneously tweeting up a storm. Can't Ugh. say I have a lot of respect for that. Well, he also said the guy's trying to get a big payout. Anyhow, it all blew up. He got some pushback. He had a video call with a guy, apologized to him on Twitter for misunderstanding the situation. And uh, so the guy's not laid off, but may stay at Twitter. So... You know, he did, I'll give him credit for saying, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I got some bad information about you. But it's just the sort of thing like that. Like, what advertiser wants to put their brand on that when you've got that going on? Right, when that is the knee-jerk reaction to some guy's tweet who just got laid off, that's what you say to him? Not cool. Jane, thank you so much as always. At Jane Wells is where you can follow her, and you can always catch her on CNBC. Thank you, and thank your daughter Bye. again. Bye. I will. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. This is your wake up call for a Wednesday. Jim Ryan. Good morning to you. Can we walk back? Tell us about first off these four Americans. We talked about it yesterday who went to Mexico. Uh, the woman in the group was going for a cosmetic procedure. Everything went awry and the four of them were kidnapped.
That's kind of the long and short of it. It all happened on Friday. Latavia McGee and three of her friends, they rented a white minivan. They headed down to Brownsville, Texas, then over the International Bridge into Matamoros. McGee, we're told, Jen, had an appointment with a plastic surgeon in Tamaulipas State down in Matamoros. A guy who's got a pretty good reputation on this side of the border. He's got a Facebook page and people are always singing his praises as an affordable and competent plastic surgeon. So Latavia McGee set an appointment. It would cost her about half of what plastic surgery would cost her in her native South Carolina. So she felt it would be a good deal. But she and her her three friends, including her cousin, Shahid Woodard, made a wrong turn. They got lost. They couldn't find the clinic. They came under fire. These gunmen jumped out, attacked them, shot up the minivan, uh, tossed them all four of them into a into a pickup truck and drove away. We now know that Zen, Zendel Brown and Shayid Woodard were killed, probably in that initial gunfire. Latavia McGee and Eric Williams survived. They were found yesterday. McGee didn't have a scratch. She's okay physically, at least, but Eric Williams had uh, gunshot wounds to his legs. They now are back in Texas and being treated, and uh, autopsies are planned for the other two. Okay, so so they get in this uh, gunfire. Did the did the so was it rival gangs? I mean, I know that this was an area where there are drug cartels, that sort of thing. Are they able to pinpoint exactly? Was it mistaken identity? What was it? Well, yes, uh, these may not have been drug, although they're, the, the the lines are pretty blurry between criminal groups in Mexico and anywhere else, I suppose. But uh, it's thought that they were human smugglers, this uh, these attackers, and that they believed that the people in the minivan also were human smugglers. Oh. You know, that they're, they're fighting for turf or fighting for smuggling routes, and that that's why they opened fire and, and took these people, uh, kidnapped them, essentially. Yeah, so that's that may be the mistaken identity, at least what the investigators and the the prosecutors in Matamoros are saying. So that that's your mistaken identity case here. Okay, it uh, have either of the two surviving victims been able to explain why they weren't uh, killed or what happened to the other two? Have they have they been able to give investigators any clues at this point? Well, not that the investigators are talking about. Family members, they have talked with family members who genuinely are, are uh, relieved that their loved ones are okay, oh, that they're going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah, even Shayid Wood with the gunshot wounds to his legs, but... Uh, no, um, and and it, and it would appear, and if you've seen the video or the still images that came from Matamoros at the time of the kidnapping, the the violent shootout, or not a shootout even because there were no shots exchanged, it was just these gunmen firing into the minivan. Um, that that it looks as though Zendel Brown and Shayid Woodard may have been killed right then. Uh, during the abduction shot you know maybe as collateral damage so uh, yeah that that appears to be why or how they died it's not as they were as though they were executed somewhere else all right thank you so much jim for the latest on that and it'll be interesting i i can't wait to hear just from a i want to know what goes down i mean these two honestly are going to be able to give investigators possibly some insight into the human smuggling world just because they were there now that they are safe, you know, of course, it'll be one thing to tackle their specific case. But I also wonder if they can't share some light on what that world is like. Well, I think the the person who may have some real answers is the the guard who is posted uh, to keep them from being found. 
You know, they were found. Yeah. They, 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 the two survivors and the bodies of the two who were killed were found in a, in a shack outside Manaporos, and there was a guard posted there, you know, with them. And apparently, and that person is now in custody. He's the he's the one who may provide a yeah. lot of information about the other assailants and also about this broader human smuggling operation. Let's hope he sings. Thanks yeah. so much, Jim. I appreciate it. See you, Jim. See you later. Let's get back to some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. A union says 40% of court interpreters in L.A. could be gone in the next couple of years, making the current critical shortage a whole lot worse. California Federation of Interpreters, Begonia De Salvo, says there are 200 languages spoken in L.A. and everyone deserves their day in court. Los Angeles Superior Court is violating the rights of the indigenous community of Los Angeles by not having indigenous language interpreters available in court proceedings. DeSalvo says county court interpreters are a constitutionally guaranteed right. L.A. County Superior Court says it's currently negotiating a fair contract with interpreters to ensure equal access to justice for all. This might be the most interesting segment I've ever put together when it comes to news. Coming up in the next three minutes. I have stories about golf balls, self-love, the clippers, toilets, and Timmy the sheep. I don't know. I don't know how it all comes together like this. The city of Anaheim is being sued by people at a mobile home park because of a nearby golf course. So people who've lived at the mobile home park for years say they started getting pelted with golf balls when the city made changes to speed up play on the course. Not funny if you're one of the people, obviously, who got pelted. The locals want the golf course to shut down the 15th hole and put up netting. So my thought is, did, okay, so if this wasn't happening before, now all of a sudden, somebody like me who doesn't know what the hell they're doing on a golf course is like, oh gosh, I gotta get through this hole. And I whack away and there goes my ball. Not anywhere on the course where it's supposed to be. But people are trying to rip through this golf course so quickly that what their balls are going screwy. It's kind of what it sounds like anyway. A lack of self-love can lead to self-destruction. A new study from UCLA says abstaining from masturbation can lead to devastating mental health issues. The NoFap movement began roughly 10 years ago, and it urges men to avoid masturbation to boost confidence, focus, and even cure erectile dysfunction. Researchers say men who fell off the wagon and relapsed with themselves felt shame and in some cases suicidal and were more likely to report erectile dysfunction. They say there's no scientific backing that it's good to deny oneself, and in fact, masturbating releases feel-good hormones like oxytocin and endorphins, with some studies saying it cuts the risk of prostate cancer by a third. Michael Crozier, KFI News. Our editor, Carla, sent me that story yesterday and said, here's one for you for today. And I wrote back, why don't you give that one to Crozier? Apparently she did. Well done, Crow. It's an important story. I just was like, I can't. The LA Clippers are gearing up for a new arena and the team's owner is pumped. So there was a walkthrough yesterday at Intuit Dome and Steve Ballmer, he's, you know, taking everybody through and he's, you know, look at this feature and that feature. And then this just made me, it made me smile how happy he was about the restroom. Toilet! 
toilets, 1160 toilets and urinals, three times the NBA average. I love the people in the background. Woo! World is right. More toilets. Although any woman who has waited in that line is happy about this. So Steve Ballmer, I share your happiness. Ballmer says he wants people to enjoy the game and not wait in long lines. He says the 18,000-seat arena will feature seats with extra leg room and amazing views of the game. The arena in Inglewood still won't be ready till next year. And finally, it's Timmy the Sheep time. Not that Timmy, but this Timmy. A California sheep is one step closer to being in the national spotlight. His name is Timmy. And Timmy lives at the Funky Chicken Rescue Sanctuary in Vacaville. And he's now a top 10 finalist for the annual Cadbury Bunny commercial. He beat thousands of other rescued pets during tryouts. And now it's time to vote. So people can go online to choose their favorite each day through Tuesday. The winner also gets a $5,000 prize. So can we all vote for Timmy? I mean, don't we need a sheep? From the Funky Chicken Rescue as the Cadbury Bunny. Goes together. It makes sense to me. It's KFI and KOST HD2, Los Angeles, Orange County. We've got sunshine today and highs in the 60s right at 70. Little more of the same tomorrow, but then Thursday into Friday, the clouds roll in. We could see some heavy rain coming into Southern California. Of course, that makes everybody nervous about mudslides especially because it looks like the snow level is going to stay really high, maybe above 9,000 feet. So that means places like Big Bear that are below 9,000 feet could see that heavy, heavy rain, and that could trigger mudslides as the snow melts. We lead local, live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call. You've been listening to your wake-up call with me, Jennifer Jones-Lee, and you can always hear wake-up call 5 to 6 a.m. Monday through Friday at KFI AM 640 and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.